we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Life is serious, and it is only one who is really serious that knows how to live, not the flippant or those who are merely seeking entertainment. Hello and welcome to episode 197 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast is compiled from carefully chosen extracts from the archives. The aim is to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to many of the fundamental issues and questions we all face in our lives. This week's theme is seriousness. Upcoming themes are hurt, being and becoming, and tradition. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Please visit our updated website at kfoundation.org where you can find a new introduction to Krishnamurti a growing collection of articles, a wide selection of quotes, and a new index of topics for easy access to carefully selected texts and recordings. Our online store stocks all available Krishnamurti books and ships worldwide. You can also find our regular quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on seriousness has four sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk in London, 1966, titled, What is it to be serious? You see, I was considering what is what it is to be serious. Most of us think we are fairly serious. But we have never questioned, if I may be wrong, what is the state of mind that is really serious. not serious about something. If we are serious about something that is very... that leads to various other forms of miseries. It's like a man being... he's a serious... he takes seriously drink. Serious about an idea. Serious about an activity, an action. Serious about a commitment and pursuing that commitment to the very end. All these we consider serious people who have a concept, an idea, or an ideal, and pursue that logically, brutally, ruthlessly, or with certain sense of sympathy, but still, and that we consider a serious man who does this. And is he a serious man? Is he a serious person who pursues a course of action which he has formulated, 
or reasoned out, or he accepts because he is so conditioned and lives according to that pattern. To me such a person is not a serious person at all, because he's never considered, it seems to me, what it is to be serious, what is the state of the mind that is serious, not serious about something. If we could go into that a little bit, then we'll go back or reconsider our peace and freedom in a different at a different level. So we are asking, what is the state of the mind that is really serious? What we consider a person to be serious, what is generally considered, is a human being serious about something fragmentarily. His mind works in fragments. He is very serious about painting feels very strongly about painting, about art, music, whatever it is. And the other part of the mind is, one is not aware of it, is not even considered. His social activity, his daily responses and so on, so on, so on, it is not important, because he is completely committed to a certain fragment of existence. Maybe an artist, a scientist, a poet, a writer and so on and on and on. So as long as the mind is working fragmentarily and committed to that fragment, politically or religiously, surely such fragmentary activity is not an indication of seriousness, because it contradicts the other part of existence. So a serious person is one, it seems to me, who does not function in fact or a mind that does not think in fragments. I think this we should understand a little bit. Is it possible to be so totally attentive to the whole existence of life, not just fragments, parts, to the totality of it. And then, if one is so serious, then there is no contradiction. It's the person who is not serious that lives in contradiction. Very clear, Shlomo. Please don't agree or disagree, just let's examine what is being said or feel for yourself to what extent, to what 
to be aware of this fragmentary action and consider that to be serious, which is not, and to find out what uh, what a, a mind that is really serious, which doesn't function in fragments, but considers the whole. Surely such a mind is a serious mind, who is aware of the whole total process of life. The second extract is from the first talk in Sanan, 1973, titled I Don't Know How Serious You Are. I do not know how serious you are. Because it's only two serious minds can meet. Serious people who are concerned, not verbally or intellectually concerned with their heart, with their mind, with their whole activity. And I don't know how serious your intentions are. You may attend these talks for the next four weeks, and you may treat it as an intellectual entertainment, or desire a new kind of experience. Or slightly bring about a change in one's mediocre life. That is not serious. That's not being serious at all. Seriousness implies that you be totally concerned with the whole problem of existence, not just one part of it, one's own personal security or one's own personal salvation. It's a vast area which we are going to deal with, the area of our whole life. Our whole life isn't merely an intellectual concept and living at an intellectual level. Our life is not only intellectual, emotional, affection, love, sex, gathering money, fear, pleasure, pain, sorrow, death, whole of that is our life, much more involved in it. And if we are not serious, and I do mean if we are not serious, it's not worth listening. There is a tennis going on there, go and sit there. Now go climb the lovely hills and the mountains, watch the rivers flowing. But if you are here for this purpose, after you have spent money taking a journey, we have spent, we must spend together in seriousness. And there is great beauty in seriousness. It isn't a pain, it isn't something that you must be serious about. Life is serious. And it's only the man who is really serious knows how to live. Not the flippant, not the ones who are merely seeking entertainment. So please, 
bear this in mind, if I may suggest, that we are here for serious purpose. And we are going to spend several hours together Though the speaker sits on a platform, he's sitting there only for convenience, so that you and I can see each other. He has no authority. And therefore, we can share things together. And sharing implies affection. It's only this intense demand of love that brings about transformation. The third extract is from Krishnamurti's first talk in Sanan, 1970, titled You Have to Be Serious, Confronted with the Chaos in the World. In a world that is so utterly confused, violent, revolutionary, every form of revolt, and thousand explanations for these revolts, confusions and violence, in which there is hope it is hoped there will be social reformation, change of bureaucracy, different set of values, different realities, and greater, wider freedom for man. This is asked in every country, under every clime, under the banner of peace there is violence, in the name of truth there is exploitation, misery, there are all the starving millions in the world suppressed under great tyrannies, in the name of great ideologies, whether those ideologies be religious or political, there is such social injustice, different races against one another, every form of revolt and revolution and hatred. And there is war. Conscription and the evasion of conscription, draft and so on. There is really great confusion terrible violence, hatred is justified, and every form of escapism is accepted as the norm of life. When one is aware of all this, not only outwardly, but also in oneself, there is uncertainty. Oneself is confused what to do, what to think, what part to play 
in all this varieties <coughs> of confusion and demands. What is one to do? To join the activists or escape from all that into some kind of inward <coughs> isolation? Or go back to old religious ideas? Or start a new sect and carry on with one's own prejudices, inclinations and tendencies? Seeing all this, <coughs> one naturally wants to know for oneself what to do, what to think, how to live a different kind of life. And I think if we can during these talks and discussions, find out for ourselves amid this clamour of action, this destruction of hatred and violence and brutality, if we can find out for ourselves a light in ourselves, a way of living in which there is no violence <coughs> whatsoever, a way of life which is utterly religious and therefore no fear, a life that is completely stable inwardly, which cannot possibly be touched by outward events, then I think it would be eminently worthwhile if we could, all of us together, give complete and sensitive attention to what we <coughs> are going to discuss, what we are going to talk over together. Because we are working together, we are cooperating together to find out It isn't that the speaker tells you what to do, what to think. He has no authority. He is not going to tell you what to think and what to do. He has no philosophy. But together, We're going to find out for ourselves, not dependent on anyone, including the speaker, find out for ourselves how to live in this mad confusion. how to live peacefully, and that peace can only come about if there is a light in ourselves which can never be destroyed by another, by any environment, by any accident, by any experience. If we could do that, and we must, during these days that, are, that we come together here, 
if we could quietly, patiently, with real interest and seriousness, go into this, I'm quite sure we'll be able to find out for ourselves. Only unfortunately, the difficulty is that our brain functions in the old habits, like a gramophone record, playing the same tune over and over and over again. And while that tune is going on, the noise of that music, of that habit, one is not capable of listening to anything new. Because after all, we have been conditioned, the brain has been conditioned to think in a certain way. to act in a certain way, to respond according to our culture, to our background, to our tradition, to our education. And that very same brain tries to listen to something new, to a new quality of meaning, to a new tone, and it's not capable of it, and that's where our difficulty is going to lie. You know, if you play, if you do, if you talk on a tape, you can wipe it out and begin again. But unfortunately, the tape the brain has, which has been so long cultivated and conditioned, it's very difficult for that tape to be, to be wiped out and begin again. And we repeat the same pattern, the same ideas, the same physical habits over and over again. And so we never catch anything fresh, new. So, To listen so that the brain puts aside the old tape, the old way of thinking, feeling, reacting, the innumerable habits that one has, to put all that aside, and you, and one can do it. I assure you, you can do it if you listen. If you give attention. If the thing you are listening to is deadly serious, tremendously important, <coughs> then you are bound to listen. And that very act of listening will wipe out the old. Do try it, 
or rather do do it, not try it. <coughs> that. You are really deeply interested. Otherwise you would be here. You are taking life very seriously. Otherwise you wouldn't <coughs> take all the trouble to come and sit here with the fresh snow on the hills. Uncomfortable away from the things that you are used to. So one assumes that you are serious. Because you have to be serious, confronted with the extraordinary chaos in the world, uncertainty, war, destruction, every value <coughs> has been thrown away. It's a completely permissive society, sexually, economically, in every way. There is no morality. <coughs> No religion. Everything is being thrown away. And one has to be utterly, deadly serious. And that very seriousness, if you have that in your heart, you will listen. And in that very <coughs> act of listening, the old memories, the old habits, the accumulated tradition, all that will be wiped away. So it depends on you not on the speaker. Whether you are sufficiently serious to listen, to find out for yourself so completely a light that can never be put out a way of living that doesn't depend <clears throat> on any idea, on any circumstances. <coughs> a way of life that's always fresh, new, young, vital. So if you are serious and not completely self-centered, just in that, have that quality of mind that wants to find out at any price. then you and I, you and the speaker can cooperate, can work together. And discover or come upon this strange thing that will solve all our problems. whether it be the problems of daily 
monotonous life or the problems of the highest quality. Now, how do we go about it? <clears throat> you know, I feel there is only one way, that is, through negation, to come to the positive. through understanding what it is not, to find out what it is. To see what one actually is, and go beyond it. To start looking not only at the world and all the events of the world, the things that are going on, and our relation to that either separately or without the separation between you and the world. You've understood, I hope. <coughs> One can look at the world's events as though it didn't concern you you as an individual. Looking at all that, <clears throat> trying to understand it, trying to shape it, trying to do something about it. You as an individual, separate from that thing, from the thing called the world, and the events that are taking place in the world. So there is a division between you and the world. You can look at it that way. You, the individual, with your experience, with your knowledge, <clears throat> with your particular idiosyncrasies, your prejudices, and so on. With those, look at the world. And therefore, separate yourself from the world. You, as an Englishman, or a German, or a whatever it is. <clears throat> and look at the world from you are. From your prejudice, from your particular little sectarian culture, So, one has to find out how you look. Whether you are looking at all the things that are happening outside of you as well as inside of you, <clears throat> from a particular point of view, and therefore from a particular prejudice, from a particular belief, a conclusion. Please do this as we are talking. And so when you look at it that way, there is a separation between you and the world. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
and the events of the world. And therefore, when there is a division between you and the world, then you try to do something about the world. And hence, there is a conflict between you and the world. Right? Or, you can look at this whole process of living in which there is you and the world as a unitary process, <coughs> as a total movement, not a separate movement, you as the individual and the community, you and the nation, you and the Vietnamese war and so on, so on, you as the Arab or the Jew or the, and so on. So it depends on how you look whether you look at the world from a particular point of view, from a particular conclusion, from a particular culture, you taking a stand, verbally, ideologically, or committed to a particular action, and therefore isolate yourself from the rest, and then there's a contradiction and conflict. Either you look that way, or you look at this whole phenomenon, the whole phenomenon, as a living, moving process, a movement, a total movement of which you are a part, and therefore no division. Because you are, after all, the society. What you are is the result of the culture, the society, the religion, the education, the climate, the food, the propaganda. That's what you are. You are the world, and the world is you. And to see the totality of this, not what to do about it. We'll come to that later. <clears throat> to have this feeling of the whole of mankind, not as a Hebrew or a Hindu or some, I won't use strong language, Can you do this? Not identify yourself with the world, because you are the world. You are the, the war is the result of you, the violence, the prejudices, the division, the appalling brutality that's going on is part of you. So it depends then how you look at this phenomenon that is going on, both within and without, and how serious you are. If you are really serious, 
then you will listen and the old momentum comes to an end. The old pattern, the repetition of the old pattern, the old habits, the way of the ancient ways of thinking, living, acting. So we come back to the question whether you are really serious, not with a long face and without a smile and laughter, but inwardly really serious to find out, find out a way of life in which all this turmoil, this misery, this sorrow doesn't exist. The final extract in this episode is from the first talk in Sanan, 1963, titled A Serious Mind. If we could deliberately examine ourselves seriously and proceed in ourselves to lay the right kind of foundation, then I think these meetings and the discussions that are going to take place afterwards will have a great deal of significance. I mean by that word serious something quite different, and I would like, if I may, explain and go into that word and the meaning of that word. Most of us think we are serious, that is, given, otherwise you wouldn't be here. You have spent a lot of money, energy, time, and unpleasantness of travels, to come here. And so you must be serious. Now I'd like to find out, we must find out together, what we mean by that word serious. You know, a petty mind, a mind that is shallow, is very serious also. But when it becomes serious, it is rather absurd. I do not know if you have not noticed the empty people, empty-minded people who are very serious. They use a lot of words. They put on a lot of airs. Everything becomes a problem to be studied, to be analyzed, gone into. But it still remains a very shallow mind. And they too are serious. Then there is the mind that has read a great deal, that can cleverly argue, analyze, quote, that is capable of referring to a great deal of information. And you know, very well what that type of mind is, cunning, sharp, capable. But I would not call such a mind a serious mind. No, the mind that is shallow, attempting, attempting to be serious, that is neither serious. Then there is the mind that is sentimental, emotional, eager to be stirred into some kind of sentiment, 
which it calls devotion. But that mind too is not serious mind. I mean by a serious mind a mind that is deeply religious. A religious mind can be intellectual, can argue, can discuss, but it has its foundation at a quite a different level altogether. And a religious mind is not a mind that belongs to any society, any group, to any particular organized religion. Those are not serious people at all. Though, may, though they may become monks and nuns and go to church every day, three times a day, or whatever they do, those are not serious people at all. I'm not being dogmatic or intolerant, but you will see as we go along how necessary, how imperative it is to have a mind that is not merely seeking, because a mind that is seeking is already a mind in conflict. And I'm going to go into all that during these ten talks. <coughs> but a mind that is trying, or rather I, I would not like to use the word to try, because that's a bourgeois word if I may use that word, the word bourgeois implying not condemnatory, not in the sense of the communists use that word, I mean an ordinary mind that says, I will try. It's not a question of trying, it's a question of being. So I call a mind that is serious, which is looking, observing, <coughs> being aware of itself. Watching its own gestures, words, the way it talks, the way it walks, <coughs> being aware of the things about itself, the environment, the influences, the pressures, the strains, the culture in which it has been brought up, <coughs> and all its condition, being so totally aware I call such a mind a serious mind, and such a mind alone can deliberately consider, give its energy to discover something more <coughs> than the things that have been put together by man which he calls God. So that is, I feel, absolutely necessary during these three weeks, if we are to arrive at anything of which we are talking about. Because most of us think we are serious, but I'm afraid 
that quality of seriousness <coughs> must be completely changed. In the sense I am using that word serious, we are not. Because if we were, many of you who have heard me, fortunately or unfortunately, for the last forty years, would be completely transformed. And the world needs such transformation, a complete mutation of the mind. And the mutation cannot take place by any deliberate process, by a series of cunning theological or practical ideas. Because transformation of which we are talking about is not brought about by idea. Idea, I mean by rationalized, logical conclusion, organized words and thought is an idea. However much one may organize thought and act upon that thought, the mu mutation cannot take place. It requires something totally different. A completely different quality. Of which I am going to talk about during these ten talks. So, that is one of the principal questions which one has to put to oneself. How far and to what depth can our mind penetrate into itself? That is the quality of seriousness. Because in being aware, in being conscious, in knowing the whole structure of one's own psychological being, the urges the compulsions, the desire to fulfill and the frustrations, the miseries, the strains, the anxieties, the struggles, the, the sorrows. And the innumerable problems that we have, <coughs> the mind that has problems is not a serious mind at all. But the mind that is capable of understanding the problems immediately and dissolving them immediately and not carrying them over the next day, such a mind is a serious mind. 